peace, peace, and welcome to another installment of Cook on Monday Morning. At Cook on Monday Morning, we are building lives that we can be excited about on Monday morning. We believe that if you can own Monday morning, you can own the week. If you can own the week, you can own the year. And if you can change your year, you can change your life. Mr. J.J. Hanley. I pronounced the last name right, Hanley. That's it. That's it, Hanley. (laughs) Mr. J.J. Hanley. I got the opportunity to meet through uh, a friend named Ben, and we happened to have gone to the same college. I feel like Cook on Monday Morning is like a must stop for every successful Williams College alumni. (laughs) (laughs) But the way that J.J. has been succeeding succeeding, uh, in the space of cannabis, uh, you know, making this industry real viable employing folks from the community um, and the way he went about it. Uh, I was immediately impressed when he sort of uh, shared his story, his start. I look forward to uh, getting into what he's learned, uh, the vision he has for Phil Green and, you know, why on earth he wants to do business in San Francisco. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, JJ, welcome. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. So before we kind of get into your backstory, let's just talk a, talk a little about, it's, it's Phil Green, right? Phil Green, yep. Tell me a little about, you know, what Phil Green is. Philly or Phil? Philly, F-I-L-I-G-R-E-E-N. Okay. Phil Green. Yeah, we came up with, um, it's like the Latin roots for the, sorry, seed and thread. It's like filum and granum. Okay. So trying to, trying to, you know, Thread, thread things together. We are a cannabis distributor. That's we, sort of where we've started in this industry. So we're in the middle of the supply chain. We kind of are the supply chain, doing a lot of uh, logistics, warehousing, managing compliance, a lot of um, working with independent labs to make sure products tested, making sure products all packaged correctly. We do, we do packaging as well. Um, so we will take flour from the farm and we'll do pre-rolls and jar, jar flour, bag flour, things like that, deliver it to the store. Yeah, now, yeah, I actually didn't know the, the significance behind the name. So how did, how did you come across that? You know, it was um, just naming anything's hard, you know, naming, naming a company, naming your kid. Like, it's just, you're always just tossing stuff around and it, it just, uh, we talk through what we wanted to, you know, what we, what, what, what we were focused on, what we were doing. We, you know, as a business, we um, registered as a benefit corp with environmental sustainability and education mm-hmm. as part of our articles of incorporation. So trying to think about how can we, um, you know, be successful in, in business while also um, being, you know, being, being successful and supporting, um, you know, the environment and, and supporting um, the community. And, and so, you know, as a distributor, you're, you're touching a lot of different groups. You know, you're, you're really working with everybody. You're working with literally every part of the supply chain. And uh, I, I think in cannabis, um, you know, probably more so than in other industries, it's, it's, uh, it's the part of the supply chain that the regulators are, leaning on to not only make sure things are compliant but i mean let's be honest we collect the taxes as well so they're like you know they're 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 leaning on um you know california's cannabis industry is so large you know it was such like it was already such a large pre-existing 
industry that when the regulators came up with the um, different licensing types and different parts of the supply chain, they said, you know, we're going to have to create this middle layer for uh, for distribution, and they'll be the ones who will basically lean on to make sure things are compliant, and uh, and then they'll be responsible for collecting and remitting taxes. So that's another big part of what we have to manage. It's actually really interesting because when you told me you 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 educated me on what a distributor is and the function that it plays between you know, the dispensary and the grower, right? Like, um, I'm like, um, and, I, and I imagine it's sort of different state by state. But when you told me about how you position the company, I was like, Dan, that's brilliant. Like, you, <laughs> you're the person that collects the taxes and everyone has to go through you. Because yeah. most, most people that are looking to get into it, or maybe, maybe I don't know, actually, the, the sentiment around most, but one of, the, one of the first things I think about is like having a storefront, right? Totally. Like, you want to like, you know, like it's like the bar, like you want to have like the spot where people, the, the patron walks in to get the cannabis and that's the dispensary with the grower. You know, some people may be passionate about that, but it's a whole different type of, um, uh, you know, skill set. How did you settle on taking this position as opposed to the other two? My, my professional background prior to jumping into the cannabis space full time was in the supply chain, you know, working, working with, um, you know, different manufacturers I worked in the technology integration space. Um, so working with a lot of different groups that make discrete parts and we would bring all of those into these facilities and we would build these integrated systems that then we would ship out and install into data centers. And so it was a lot of, um, a lot of working with supply chain, working, you know, we did things international, a lot of international um, business. And so working with different countries on what their rules were in order to get things through customs. So when it came to um, looking at cannabis, I, I started off uh, with some friends uh, buying some property up in Humboldt, you know, a long, long time in 2013. And, and, you know, started looking at the uh, cultivation side. My my friends that that are a little more I I like don't have that skill set. I would like to say that I do, but it, it is you're right. It is a skill set, and like people that are good that have that green thumb. It's 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 really impressive um, what you know folks are able to what what they're able to do on the cultivation side. But like where I'm, my skill set has always been in figuring out solving problems, figuring out how do we get products and and things from point A to point B. So as like the regulations came about and they started defining the distribution layer, it was just, it, it resonated with me. And then there was an opportunity to um, kind of set, set up here in San Francisco uh, early on and fill that void. So it's been mm-hmm. a lot of fun. There's a lot to unpack too, I think, around like the way you made the decision, what you had to go through to kind of get things off the ground that I want to get into. But yeah. um, why cannabis? Why cannabis? You know, as, as an industry, it's got... Um, you know, this huge potential, not only with, uh, you know, what it can do for, for people in the, in the you know, in, in medicine, um, but you look at the history of it and it's, it's very complex. You know, there's the, the social equity piece of it, which is runs deep. And, you know, there's people that are in jail because of cannabis. And so, you know, I think as a, as a, as a, you know, culture, as a, industry we have to figure out if, if this now is something that is, is coming out into the light and then now it's becoming 
um, something that's more mainstream, like it's an opportunity to participate in that change, which is super exciting. So, you know, for me, it's, it's, uh, I always will talk to people about the industry and even folks that maybe don't have um, experience in it today, but are interested in getting into it. I'm always encouraging people, you know, it's like the water is warm, like the more good people that have skills that they can offer up to this industry, like jump in, you know, there, there's, there's, there's certainly a lot of risk involved, right? I mean, it's, it's still federally illegal. Um, you know, you have the rules and regulations that have been defined by the state that we follow and those are always changing. So you're always trying to make sure you're navigating that as well. But, you know, it, 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 the industry has a huge opportunity to really create uh, social change and um, have a positive impact on a lot of people. The impression I got meaning you was that you are like really passionate about this industry. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and hearing how you think about, well, you know, all of the aspects that you have to deal with uh, in running the business. Um, you're also very serious about this industry. Like, it's like, I think, I think um, it, like the perception of cannabis or like the impact that it has on the community or, you know, it's like, like marijuana is like, it's been very much a part of America for a very long time. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> and so oh, yeah. uh, you, you are playing a role in legitimizing it and, and you're thinking very strategically about how to position your company, you know? I, I remember all this from our first conversation, right? We only had one conversation. Yeah. But um, what, what initially sparked your passion? What was like, okay, this is like, I want to make this my life. Working um, for yourself is an, is an interesting thing. You know, it's, it's like, I've, I've always been excited about creating, like solving problems, you know, first of all, like that's always been something like in my previous uh, career, it was as I was, I was in sales, but you know, like as a salesperson, you're, you're really trying to make sure that, you know, part of sales is solving problems for your, your clients. And um, just the idea of, of jumping into something and, and really having an opportunity to go after it and not have any ceiling on what you're going to be able to do or not do in, in a space that, you know, as, as we just had talked about that has like an opportunity to have real, uh, a real impact on, you know, society and, and on, you know, on, on the, on medicine, you know, and even like you look at sort of the social aspect of it, it it's got so many different ways you can go with it. Um, but yeah, I think just uh, the idea of being able to jump into this and do something on my own in a space that is um, got such potential mm -hmm. got me excited and, you know, where we have put our focus with, with being a distributor has really been on compliance, right? We, we looked at what do the regulations require and how do we build our distribution model around that with, with that being the core. So mm -hmm. everything that we do as a business and we, from day one also invested into um, technology, right? And building out our own software application, which is part of our business. We've got the distribution business. We actually have a technology business now as well, but we, we built this technology through being in the industry and built it with the, that at its core, the compliance piece of it at its, at its core. So um, I think we're, our, our vision with it is to, you know, make this software that we've built now available to other businesses that 
um, can use it and actually help it help those businesses operate more effectively in the space because it is a very very challenging industry from a from a lot of different aspects but when it comes to compliance um, and managing the supply chain it can be really challenging walk me through um, the decision to go like I'm, I'm sure you know in your own life I know I meet a lot of people that are constantly pondering I'm gonna strike out on my own I'm gonna strike out on my own maybe they tried it and not um, been successful or, or you know people's different stories or whatever so what was going on for you in your personal life? It. Yeah, I mean, so a lot, a lot happened. I, you know, I worked as a, in my, at my previous company, I was there for about 10 years, mm-hmm. built a book of business, um, had a, had success at that company and felt like I'd reached sort of a, a ceiling. You know, there was, there were problems that um, I wanted to solve but in, but in that role at that company, I just wasn't able to solve those problems. And it was, it became a little bit disheartening and it was, it kind of wears you out, you know, when you, when you're showing up every day and like, you don't have that ability to, 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 you know, affect change. I think that probably, you can say that about any, like in any, at work and life. Right. And so that just started to wear on me and I got to a point where I was thinking about what are, what are some other things that I could do and, and had been introduced to the cannabis industry along the way and, and it had been exploring that um, with some partners and then just saw this opportunity come up and it was one, it was just one of those things, you know, it was sort of a, you only live once type of situation. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm, I'm 40 now. I made this decision when I was like 37 and, I'm a pretty, I'm pretty risk adverse. You know, I think that's, you know, for, for better or for worse, I, I kind of looked at it and said, you know what, if I take this leap and it, I fall flat on my face, so what, you know, I mean, then even if I like go completely broke, I still got like 20 years of earning potential. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't know. I, I, in my head, I was like, this isn't, I'm going to go for it and I'm going to work as hard as I can. I, and as I think for anyone out there that's interested in doing something on their own, um, I would encourage you to do it. Just do it. You know, believe in yourself. Believe that, you know, you you put your heart and your energy into something. You're going to find opportunity. And if, even if, like, it may not be the direction that you think you're going to go day one. I mean, the business that, we're, that we have today here at Filigreen is much different than what we thought we were going to be doing day one. Mm. And so it's just it's just about taking the leap you know, and, and being excited about it and then just being focused on solving problems. At the end of the day, if you're solving problems, you're going to find a path forward. You sort of thought through this different, these different like dynamics. Okay. I'm falling my face is cool. But, um, but then you also like put up everything. It wasn't just like, okay, I'm gonna try it on the side. It was like, did you like put your <laughs> entire life savings into this? Like what? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. What happened? Everything, man. Everything. Yeah. My, I, I, I just, uh, did you sell anything? Like what, what, how much did sold you- my house sold like all my stock? Yeah. I mean, I just said, you know, and, and part of it too was being the first time for me, you know, you cut and come up with a business plan. I'm going to need this much money to get this thing going. 
and then things start changing. And, and I, and I was fortunate enough to have put some money aside. So, th- I mean, there were certainly things that I ended up dipping into that I didn't plan on dipping into. <laughs> like I didn't plan on selling my house in order to keep, you know, keep the business going, but it just happened, you know, and, and, and at the end of the day, as, as things have gone further and further along, the vision for the company has also developed and become more and more crystallized. And, um, and the people that are here, you know, it's like, I believe in the people that work at this company, you know, and, and I, and so it just gets you more and more excited. So yeah, everything's on the line. Um, you know, my, uh, my wife, she and I met before I started the company. Mm-hmm. And so that's, she's been fully supportive, very, you know, amazing throughout this whole journey. Um, but yeah, I think she's, she's like, wait, it's like something's happening over here that, uh, you know, uh, it's been, but it's been a lot. It's been a lot. We've also had two kids too yeah. over the, since starting the company. So <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Yeah. You've been busy, bro. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we talk about like where the company is at currently in terms of um, how many employees and everything, but this, yeah. I don't, I don't want to brush by this, like selling your house decision, you know, <laughs> because, <laughs> because like you sell, you sell your assets like stocks or whatever. Like, do you run out of money and you're like, Oh, I got to find some more money. I'm going to sell a house. Is that what happened or what happened? Yeah. I mean, so a little bit of that, you know, I think when, when, when we started operating, there were op- there were opportunities that presented themselves that I was I looked at it and I said, "Oh, this is this is worth the risk." So there were there were things that presented themselves that that I just made the decision to kind of make make those things happen because it was ultimately going to help us in the long run. And then when it came to the house, yeah, that was you know, I think that was just at the end of last year, you know, so that was just a lot was happening. Um, the industry has been, been challenging too. And and we've, as a business have gone through some evolutions and we've recently made a, a change in our, in our business plan, you know, how we actually bill for the work that we do as a distributor. Um, we've transitioned into a model that is much more scalable and sustainable we think for us and for our partners because we're you know the industry standard is to take a percentage of what's sold and we just found that that didn't ever really align us well with our the the brands that we support because we don't do sales we're like technology and fulfillment so we we changed the model and and our model now is we just we just bill for the work that we perform so if someone drops some flower off if we go pick it up we're just billing for the transportation involved for picking it, packing it up and shipping it to the store. So it's all it's all like fixed fees and it allows it allows the brands that we support to to drive sales revenue and not have their distribution fees scale linear, linearly with them, right? That's mm-hmm. a problem with the other model. Like you mm-hmm. you want to you want the brand partners to really be focused on their messaging and their sales and you just focus on operational efficiencies, which is what we're doing now. So mm-hmm. Yeah, the the decision to sell the house was uh, was certainly you know it was it was one that presented itself and you know I was lucky enough to have you know even have the, the opportunity to, to do it but I felt and I still feel it was the right decision. Yeah, and and can can you talk a little bit about the um, the the challenges around financing? I don't know if you want to get into some of that because I know you were like. Oh. Raising raising money, you talked about like the. I wanted you to share the hard money lender story. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean that, and that's another reason I sold the house. I mean it's it's 
it's tough. I mean, cannabis. So the thing with cannabis is that it, um, because it's federally, it's a schedule, uh, schedule one drug. So it means there's, there's this at the federal level, it's called the controlled, um, substance act, which basically makes it a federal crime. And when it comes to banking, when it comes to the entire financial, you know, institution, like the industry, banks all have federally backed loans, FDIC loans. So banking doesn't exist for cannabis businesses. So when it comes to even getting any kind of loan, it's, it's a challenge. And so you end up having to go to, you know, the lending markets that are, you know, like private markets, kind of like, you know, loan, loan sharks, so to speak. Um, but you know, the, it's improved, but yeah, you end up having to deal with a lot of higher, like interest rates, unfavorable rates. I think a lot of people, they, they just say, well, there, there's a, there's this risk element for us lending to you as a cannabis business. And that's why we have to charge the higher rates. And I get it. Like there's some truth to that, but I think a lot of people, you know, it's probably a little overblown, like the, the risk that they assess to the interest that they're charging you is not always totally justified so yeah and and I'm, I'm sure that might change as more lenders come into the market and more distributors come into the market you might get like better rates for has that been the case or no yeah yeah and more more competition you know mm-hmm. so you've got you you actually have banks now that are are opening up to cannabis mm-hmm. some there's a some credit unions some state uh local state credit unions mm-hmm. that have set themselves up to open up accounts for cannabis businesses. And for them, you know, that there's fees associated with opening up an account, but you know, they just have to audit every single transaction because the risk of the bank is that, you know, you're not doing legal business and then they could be seen as participating in like money laundering. That's their big risk. And then they lose Mm -hmm. their FDIC, but uh, yeah, it's definitely getting better. It's definitely getting better. And, you know, I think the, at a federal level, you see things changing as well. You know, there's, I think, 30, over 30 states that have some form of legal cannabis. Yeah, when you were telling me the, the lending story, I was like, dang, I got to be a money lender because <laughs> the interest oh, rates are... <laughs> I was like, I need to be in that business. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I mean, there, there's, I, I, I'm trying to recall if there, like which story, because there's been like so many different uh-huh. interactions with, but yeah, the rates that you get charged, I like the being in the money, the money lending business is definitely a good place to be like if you're just, <laughs> <laughs> that's truly making money with money you know i mean yeah yeah i mean yeah i mean you you, you learned it so well maybe that'll be another iteration of what you do it's like yeah <laughs> you can lend other but then the, also it's like it's all still cash based right it's like like right. is that changed at all or um not really i mean that that goes with the banking side mm-hmm. of things right yeah, so because hard. bank yeah banking is an issue you end up dealing mostly in cash. So probably 60 to 70% of the business that we do is in cash. So you end up, you know, there's the, it's, it's, it's a nightmare, you know, there's the security component where now you've got your drivers out in the field and they're making deliveries they're collecting cash or putting in deposit bags. We have safes bolted into our vans. Like there's all these things that you have to do in order to not only make sure you're compliant, but that, you know, your employees feel safe. Mm-hmm. You know, and how and and so the security procedures and policies and all these things have to be developed. And um, 
yeah, it's, 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 it's crazy. I don't know if you heard there was like the money counter in the background, but we've got like a, we've got like a money counter, you know, so you, you got the money comes back. We have to reconcile it, make sure, you know, it's uh, accurate, post it in the system and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. The whole thing. Yeah. I didn't tell you, I, did I tell you, did I tell you I ran the vending machine business? You no might, way. I mean, it's not really like, only, 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 only reason why I bring it up is because when, when I got the cash, I hated counting it. Yeah. It was like, I really like hated counting it. And yeah. uh, it's like a lot of money, but it's all ones, it's all ones and fives. And I would just like bring it to the bank, like, Hey, can you, can you, can you do this for me? <laughs> totally. Oh yeah. And like, just it's and money, you know, money is dirty too. So you're like, there's, you know, it's, uh-huh. Always, it's, all these things have expenses too. Like your money counter costs money, the safes cost money, the vehicles cost money, and the other thing, the time, you know, the labor to cost money to count mm-hmm. the cash. You know, yeah, yeah, you spending money counting the money. <laughs> <laughs> no, it makes zero sense. It makes zero sense. And then you know, in, in this industry, it's like, I mean, like because it's been around for so long, a, a lot of people are comfortable, like you know, in that space. In fact. A lot of the there are some brands that we have that they, they've they don't have bank accounts you know so there's that element too like some businesses have bank accounts now so you'll get checks for some orders but then the supplier you need to pay out doesn't have an account so you got to pay them in cash so you're trying to manage like electronic versus cash mm-hmm. accounts and it's like yeah. it's like a frontier it's like it's like wild west like it's it's, it's kind of yeah. like it's kind of crazy because there's no you were telling me, I want to get into, I want to get into payroll and I want to talk about insurance also, mm-hmm. but let's, talk, let's start with the insurance. Are, is there any insurance offerings for? I mean, there, there are, but it's, it's limited, you know, insurance kind of goes hand in hand with, with the financial industry, mm-hmm. the finance industry. So yeah, there, there is insurance. There are certain, you know, what types of insurance exists. Um, you can get like, you have, I mean, the state requires that you have general liability insurance. So, okay. you know, we, we have that, we have auto, you know, policies and, but when it comes to, yeah, like certain stipulations, like uh, with insurance, it's all about what's required for it to respond to an incident. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where, when you get into the fine print for cannabis, it can be pretty, pretty difficult, you know, like they'll require that everything be stored in like a vault, you know, and, or like a DEA cage. And I don't know, but it's tough. It's definitely the insurance piece of it is, is tough and everything costs more, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and this is kind of all feeds into like the, the underlying challenge of Canada industry when it comes to the legal market versus, you know, the black market or the Mm -hmm. secondary market, whatever you want to call it. Right. There's, Mm -hmm. there's so many more things that have to be, managed considered paid for in the legal market that mm-hmm. the black market doesn't deal with and then mm-hmm. and then on top of all of that there's taxes yeah and so in payroll too because payroll was, yeah so you have to pay people we do payroll and cash. cash yeah we do payroll but you have cash. to do the is it only state withholdings you don't have to do any federal withholdings yeah we 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 have to do both and i have a controller now that manages it so i can't tell you exactly how how, um, but you know, the the payroll providers, right? I mean, even in the beginning, we, we've we've like finding a payroll provider, you know, mm-hmm. that would work mm-hmm. with you was challenging. So, you got to like figure out how do you set up an account so you can get a payroll provider to manage and handle the tax component. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so, yeah, I mean, we've, we've, it's, it was, it's, it's hard, you know, just sort of getting that foundation, just getting to that place where you're like, okay, now I can like just to run a business. Right. Um, but yeah, payroll is all in cash and um, not always, but for a lot of it's in cash, but yeah, it's, it's, it's different. Part of the reason I wanted to mention this is because it, it also speaks to the continued opportunities to support the business operation. Um, yeah. And I was thinking, cause, and I didn't get a chance to talk to you about this since we initially met, but I was like, oh, what would it take to offer insurance to cannabis companies? Or what would it take to be a bank for cannabis? Like, you know, nothing that I'm actually passionate about or interested to in do it, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't want to be a banker or an insurance provider, but there are so many gaps and people are just sort of figuring out or doing without it. You know, I think, I think what you, hopefully what people pick up is that there are these other ways to provide, um, to make business run smoother that still haven't been resolved. And, and Absolutely. They, and I think like what, what will likely happen too, once it is approved federally, is that all the bigger players will just get the business for the existing operators. Is that, is that yeah, what you're the, Yeah, I think, I think there'll, there'll be like, like a consolidation Mm-hmm. of sorts you know when you know when things have changed federally mm-hmm. um yeah I, I think most people are anticipating there'll be some kind of consolidation some roll up and it'll be interesting for sure you know but mm-hmm. it, it's you're absolutely right i mean there's as far as industry um and the issues that we have to manage through and this is this is why i like tell people that have experience doing those things whether it's insurance or finance or doing like get involved. And, and that's for, for me, it was like, I know, I know supply chain, you know? And so this is where I can put my skills to work mm-hmm. and um, you know, but yeah, it's, it is, it's an exciting space for, for folks that have that, you know, entrepreneurial fiber and have some risk tolerance and want to jump in to an industry. And that's only going to continue to grow and evolve and all the different layers that's involved in it and all the different pieces of the you know our culture that it touches it's it's Mm -hmm. it's cool what would you say are the biggest opportunities for someone to consider if they want to break in like where are the biggest needs right now in the industry i mean the areas that you touched on the finance and insurance are are obviously those are big ones um the supply chain the space that we're in you know it's it's challenging i think anyone that has experience um, in supply chain or, you know, for us, like one of the interesting things about this industry that we're excited about is that, you know, the state of California set up a, a track and trace system. So every operator has to have a, an account set up the, the company. Um, it's a third party gov tech company called metric. So everyone has to have a metric account and, mm-hmm. and the grower when they're planting they are issued tags from the state and then that plant, you know, when it's harvested, they punch into the metric system that they've got two, three, whatever the 10 pound, 15 pound. And so they get new tags. And so basically this, this UID, this unique, unique identifier follows that plant and its transformation throughout the supply chain until it's sold to the end user. And so whenever you buy something from a retail store, you'll see there's a UID number on your jar, or your package. And, um, and that's, that has like a child parent relationship. So you can follow it all the way back to the source. Anyway, I bring all this up because everyone participating in this track and trace system. And so 
we get excited about the data side of things. I think you 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 have like opportunities. Like one of our our vision is to how do we help foster and build and support a closed loop supply chain? And mm-hmm. and I, it's like this this is a very very unique space to be in where you've got the entire industry participating in this metric system right and no, now building like our software we integrated into that system and a lot of software companies have done the same thing but you know you can think about how do you build a sustainable supply chain given the fact that everyone is participating mm-hmm. in, in this in this uh, see the sales system so i would say anyone out there that's got ideas about how to make that happen mm-hmm. um whether it's coming at it from the cultivation side the consumer side the you know, widget side, whether you're making like picks and shovels, you know, you're making like jars or whatever. Right. Um, it's, it's, a, it's an exciting space. That's what I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to bring up that story about uh, Wells and Fargo and the gold rush. And that's why I was so impressed with you. I was like, yo, this dude is like the guy <laughs> that sold the picks and shovels in the gold rush <laughs> because right. everybody wants to be like, uh, so uh, what I'm talking about is like they say that the people that made the the most fortune from the gold rush for the people that sold the picks and shovels, everyone that came looking for gold uh, was just like kind of searching, you know, for to to find where the gold was, and everyone that made the fortune made the tools, right? And I think well, the 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 bank the bank founders from Wells, Wells Fargo, they they like made tables. They they did something that was also tool related. Do you know the story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, am I getting it right or am I messing it up? <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. This sounds right. And, and, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. So I was like, yo, like JJ is like the tool maker in the go rush. <laughs> is that how you see it too? Or is that I think so. yeah, man. I think like the the you know, the fact that we've been building this this software part of our business, right? I mean, what we've built is um, like a, they call it an ERP or an enterprise resource planning tool, but it essentially allows businesses to manage all like a variety of functions um, with, within their company. So warehouse management, transportation, production, finance and accounting, order management, like all these things uh, we've built uh, the ability to manage all those functions and all those operations. And, and so, and we've tied it into this track and trace system. So now you know, when we look at, okay, we can license our software out, um, you know, it's relevant, you know, it's, it's a way because part of the challenge in this industry for a lot of groups is just getting product from the farm to the end user is like, it's, it's hard, you know, I mean, people have teams that are set up just to manage metric, right, just to manage the track and trace system alongside you know, their warehouse system, which is different from their accounting system, which is different from their production system. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, I think when it comes to the picks and shovel analogy, you know, we're trying to build tools that are useful for businesses to uh, sur- survive and operate and, and excel. Who is sort of the best in, in class around this in another industry? Does like Amazon do this? Is this like a what you're building here or no? Yeah. I mean, Amazon, um, yeah, so I, I would, I would, the Amazon analogy is a fun one because, you know, they, they're, yeah, they're this, they're a supply chain behemoth, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. they do everything and they've got their fulfillment centers. 
Mm-hmm. And we're, we, we're similar in that we exist in the middle of that supply chain and we're, you know, we've got a platform and a marketplace where stores and brands can log in and, and buy goods or, you know, for brands, it's like a self-service platform that they can log in and sort of send their orders through to the stores for approval. So like, um, yeah, I, the, very similar in, in, in a lot of ways. And we look at, you know, what, I think what what can we do that's a little bit different? And part of it, I think, is licensing the software part of, of what we've built. Mm-hmm. It's like Amazon's Prime, you know, Amazon Prime, it's when stuff mm-hmm. is being fulfilled out of their centers. It's like if they were licensing out Prime, you know, mm-hmm. that's what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's it's definitely solving problems. That's what supply chain is all about. It's like mm-hmm. making sure that you're addressing the problem and building. I mean, that's what's cool about the software part of this is like you can build for the issue and find a way to move forward. So we didn't talk at all about college. <laughs> college. Yeah. Did yeah. you like Williams? Yeah. Like what was your experience like? Yeah, man. I loved it. I loved okay. it. I mean I I I uh I mean I so I'm I grew up in Idaho. I, I kind of split time. I'm I'm a more of a West Coast guy. So you know Williams is in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. So for me just being out on the East Coast and like I hadn't had a lot of exposure to some of the, um, you know, a lot of Williams students went to some of the prep schools out there and the whole prep school thing was new to me. I didn't really know much about that, but um, yeah, I, lo- I, I loved it. I thought it was an amazing education. Um, I think, you know, I, I tell people that work ethic was one of the things that Williams taught me, you know, you, you, you're in an environment where you've got a lot of really um, motivated people smart people that you know push you and uh so i i enjoyed it i definitely yeah how about you uh i like <laughs> it uh i like it now that i'm out <laughs> yeah 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 you know like that that alumni network um and i think it, it, it kind of connects to what you were talking about when you were saying like striking out and um learning things along the way there were people that were willing, they wanted to hear about what I was doing and be helpful because of the Williams connection. They're like, oh, you run for, you're running for office? Like if they already had an interest in politics, they wanted to, and they were here. It didn't mean that they necessarily like did anything, but that goodwill and that support. So like, it was like, you know, people came to me as a result of the pursuit. If I was just kind of languishing at a desk like just kind of going away, not not building anything. I probably wouldn't have met those people, you know. But the way that they showed up, they've been like incredibly generous, and the and the and the college has involved me a lot to like support local events. So they'll they'll do whatever they're doing locally. Um, they've hit me up to to speak or on the panel or whatever, which is which is always fun, you know. I haven't really been like a a big donor. <laughs> yeah. But uh, maybe that'll change if I, you know, come into some big money or whatever. Have they have they tried to like get you to talk about your industry? Has that been? I'm sure undergraduates would be fascinated. Yeah, you know, I, I, I should I should reach out and let them know what I'm doing. <laughs> really, they'll I see this. To, they'll see this. Yeah. I send I send them all the alumni interviews. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I, I try to. I'm, I'm like one of my um, class. Uh, you know, I'm like one of the alumni members. I, I got my list of folks that I reach out to about fundraising or not donating. And mm-hmm. um, it's a fun industry to talk about, you mm-hmm. know, and it's, and when you look at it, 
from a national standpoint, it's, it's fascinating because every state is different, you know, mm-hmm. people in Massachusetts or New York or Florida or what, like every single state has a different set of rules and how they approach cannabis. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so it's just, it's, it's kind of, it's just crazy to, you know, learn more about the federal thing, but it's fun to talk about what, what's happening in California and, you know, what, potentially could happen down the road yeah there's this policy aspect too obviously i mean it's like it's a big policy issue policy barriers that are keeping your industry from becoming what it what it what it can be and yeah. there are a lot of williams people in policy there's like a there's a senator out of connecticut there are other people they're all you know everyone's all over the place um so yeah. idaho let's talk about a little about idaho um idaho what was your town like what was your home like Oh man, beautiful town. I, I actually split time between Anchorage, Alaska and Sun Valley, Idaho. Okay. Ketchum is the town. That's sort of where, um, that's where those are the two places I grew up, but it's like basically, um, went to the, went to high school in Ketchum and, um, cool town, small 6,000 people. It's got a ski mountain and, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so what about your home? What were your parents like? Do you have siblings? I do. I do. I got two siblings. I got a, an older sister and a younger brother. Okay. Um, my folks are, are, uh, are great. My dad uh, just retired. He's an ER doctor. And so he, he and my mom moved up to Anchorage in 79. Um, and they, they lived there for whatever, 41 years. And uh, my dad moved the family down to Sun Valley when I was basically, you know, 13, 12, 13, and started commuting. He'd do like two weeks on, two weeks off. He's an ER doctor, so you do like shifts, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, they're 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 great, man. They're hilarious. I think my dad, now that he's retired, he doesn't really. He just like wants to hang out, you know. And my mom's just like, John, do this, do that, you know. Mm-hmm. Him around, so. <laughs> do your siblings have children too? Or are you the only one with? Great, with yeah. Them? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just talking to my sister. She's got a, a little girl. So I, my wife and I have a two-year-old and a four-month-old. Okay. Uh, and my sister's daughter is, uh, four and then, um, and so she's, she lives in Idaho. She lives in Boise. Mm. And then my brother and his wife, they live in LA and they're both, they're both doctors. So I kind of come from a lot of my family, you know, they went down like the, the, they're all in medicine. My sister's a biology teacher, mm. you know, and then I, I went to Williams. I took biology. Like, you know, the first day I just, I just, I dropped. I was like, I can't. This uh-huh. is way over you, my head. Wait, I, had, I got economics, man. I went, I, I, I got my master's in economics or my uh, bachelor's in economics. Okay. Did you go to grad school? No. Okay. Yeah. Me neither. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Uh, you know, getting through Williams was a, was enough for me. It was like, I was like, sure. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I, it was, it was a good education and it was hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I took, did you ever take art history? No, no. I heard that's a pop, That's like really popular. Strong. I, I didn't take it until this okay. senior year, but yeah, it's a good one there. They got the Clark art Institute. And anyway, it sounds like you're kind of in medicine still, you know, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. And that's what I tell my family. I'm like, what do you think about, uh, you know, CBD and you know it's uh, the endocannabinoid it was the endocannabinoid system you know that's what like can cannabis um, whether it's like so THC um, and I'm gonna butcher this but it's like tetrahydrocannabinoid and then like CBD is cannabidiol anyway 
they attach to your endocannabinoid system, mm -hmm. which every human has. It's like a nervous system. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's interesting. They'll learn like to speak to people in medicine because, you know, the medical field, they're like, yeah, you learn about the endocannabinoid system, but it's like a chapter, you know, it's, they don't really dive into it. Mm -hmm. And now what they're seeing and what they're learning and how cannabis, you know, it's medical, uh, what, what is capable of from a medicinal standpoint, it's basically how the plant interacts with your endocannabinoid system. Mm -hmm. And so there's like a lot of uncharted territory, but yeah. yeah. So yeah, I feel like I'm in medicine. Yeah. 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 No. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I hear the acronyms and I see the bottles and I'm like, you know, <laughs> yeah. so yeah that's that's dope though okay, all right so i have like a rapid round final question thing that i'm gonna do with you but i want to i want to ask you a little about where the where, where philly green is now in terms of like number of employees and how you're thinking about growth yeah we're at about 50 employees mm -hmm. um we are we opened up a, a site down in la at the end of last year um and have expanded in our current the warehouse that we're in so you know, I think with how we're looking to the future, it's through uh, continuing to scale our distribution business um, uh, and start to advance some of what we can do with the software mm -hmm. and the platform and um, starting to build out, you know, some of those capabilities. And um, yeah, just trying to find ways to be more involved locally with the Bayview community, um, mm -hmm. you know, given the climate that we're in trying to be very, uh, you know, very, very just in tune with how we're thinking about uh, in, in inclusion and diversity as a company and how do we set up, um, you know, career paths and how do we create opportunity for, for everyone, you know, locally in the community and for our, our employees. So mm. I think uh, we want to lean into that. We want to lean into our benefit core filing and, find ways to really, you know, hold true to that, that mission of being a environment, you know, environmentally sustainable and focusing on education and just having some positive influence. Say a little bit more about the diversity piece. Where is that? Where is that at now? So we, you know, we, we've got a, a pretty, I'm, I'm proud of the culture that we have here. So we've got a pretty diverse um, group. Uh, I think, you know, what we've done with our our organization, um, we actually have a really young, bright uh, African American girl who has set up a committee within our company that um, is focused on diversity and, and inclusion, and and really, you know, they're starting to the, the leadership. We're, we're not directly involved; they're almost serving as like an, an oversight committee, mm -hmm. but they're looking at you know getting feedback from everyone, how people are feeling, what you know, people are interested in and, and just helping us, you know, inform and, and helping us come up with a, a more engaged and involved plan as a, as a business. So mm -hmm. it's still very much a evolving, you know, something that's evolving within our, our business. But, um, you know, we had uncle Damien by today, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. who's super impressive. I love this guy, you know, his story is incredible. And, and he was sharing, with us, you know, what he does in the Bayview community and, you know, his nonprofit work. And it's, it's really amazing. So mm -hmm. yeah, just trying to, trying to do as much as we can to be, you know, hopefully, hopefully adding some positive, um, some positivity to the, this world. 
which we live in, which sometimes it feels like the world is ending to be honest, but then you're like, you know, yeah, uh, we might as well do everything we can to, you know, not let it end on a bad note. Yeah. Um, yeah. Damien, Damien is dope. I see, you know, we all, we all know and love Damien. If you live in San Francisco, he's like very connected to a lot of community work. Um, yeah. How was, how have things impacted? How has the pandemic impacted the business? If, if at all? I mean, you know, it, it's, it's, well, so cannabis was made essential. So, you know, we've been able to continue to operate during, throughout the pandemic. Um, but yeah, I think like for the most part, it's been pretty steady, you know, as, as I think there are certain uh, companies within the industry that were, if they were on sort of unstable grounds, then it, it kind of maybe drove them off kind of like put, put them out of business. But for us, you know, really it's been just trying to figure out how do we make sure we're setting up a, an environment that people feel comfortable in. you know, in the beginning it was just like, there was so much unknown and you're trying to get hand sanitizer. We started making our own hand sanitizer, you know, like you just were scrambling trying to figure out what type of like procedural adjustments we need, you know, we needed to make. And, and now like the city and, you know, obviously they've come out with guidelines and everything, but, um, yeah, man, it's been, it's definitely been tricky, but, you know, it's still it's just focusing on executing and doing what we do yeah. and wearing a mask. I'm usually wearing a mask, but, you know. Uh, there you go. <laughs> All right. So we got to wrap it around. You ready? Let's do it. All right. You look ready. I <laughs> <laughs> hand on backwards. All right, cool. <laughs> so do you meditate? I used to. Okay. <laughs> what was your worst moment in business? Probably having to, you know, pass up on some some opportunities, and I mean, we we've definitely been, yeah. There's been some um, financial uh, hurdles that we've had to overcome, you know, with the, the environment that we're in. So, not being able to get certain, like having my our bank, we had a, we had a bank that was closed at one point, so. Mm. Those kind of things have always been tough. What personal weakness can you forgive in someone? Fear. What's one book you would recommend? For anyone that wants to get into sales, I'm kind of one of those self-help book people, but like question-based selling is a good one. You know, oh. There you go. If you ever want to learn how to be effective at just engaging folks, question-based selling. Uh, do you have a motto? If you don't change directions, you'll end up at where you are going. <laughs> that and I also, I also, I know that one. And uh, I like, I don't know the key to success, but the key to failure is trying to please everybody. Jules. <laughs> All right, last <laughs> final question. Who's going to win the presidential election? Jesus. I mean, Biden. <laughs> Come on. There's like, there's no, the other, there's no other option. There's no other option. Look at out, outside. I mean, the smoking, come on. This, this everything. Yeah, no, there's, dude, the Biden Kamala Harris ticket is, I mean, 100%. Uh-huh. I, ever, I mean, talk about society being on like, you know, get the popcorn out, man, it is. Mm-hmm crazy yeah i'd like to thank jj hanley again of philly green for taking the time um he's in the wild wild west 
<laughs> frontier, building systems, making change, impacting this community, taking risk, and uh, you know, making it look so cool. You're so cool. Oh, <laughs> Thank you, brother. I appreciate you. <laughs> Thanks for having me, man. It's great to catch up. Good seeing you. Peace, peace. And thank you for listening to another episode of Cook on Monday Morning. At Cook on Monday Morning, we are building lives and make us excited about Monday morning. We believe that if you can own Monday morning, you can own the week. If you can own the week, you can own the year. And if you change your year, you can change your life. I'd like to thank my good brother, JJ Hanley, a founder of Philly Green, for joining us on episode 59 on Cook on Monday Morning. It's been an incredible journey uh, to do this podcast with all of you and hear his story, put him everything to start this company uh, to help build and legitimize and support the cannabis industry. It was really inspiring. I hope you learned a lot. I learned a lot. I'd like to thank our listeners and those that continue to subscribe to the podcast via the Cook on Monday Morning YouTube channel. I'm grateful to all of you for your support. Thank you. Please share the podcast with a friend. Help us grow this community of doers. Please also take a minute to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have a minute, uh, rate and review it on Apple. It helps people find it and it helps a lot. If you're interested in starting a podcast, I wrote an article. It's called How to Start a Podcast During the Pandemic. Uh, it goes over all the equipment that we use for the show. And I have some book recommendations so you can get access to that article in the description box. Cook on Monday Morning is a product of the Luther Harris Holding Company. Uh, we work in partnership to create solutions that drive social impact. We do that by building strategic partnerships between businesses and government. We recruit diversity talent to high impact roles, and we help companies drive impact in the communities where they do business. If you'd like to learn more, please email me at info at I'd like to thank our listeners again and the people that make this podcast possible. Our videographer, David Topete. Thank you, sir. I'd like to thank our copy editors, Fernando Cinco Marquez and Devin Sketchinger. Thank you both as well. I get up every morning with the intention to create value and showcase love to the people that keep our cities moving. They are our teachers, school lunch workers, custodians, uh, social workers, firefighters police officers, EMT workers, garbage collectors, bus drivers, and nurses. They are our employers, the folks creating jobs and keeping our economy moving. They are our gig workers, stocking our shelves, driving our ride shares, delivering our food. To all of you, this podcast is for you. You live in places like San Francisco, Oakland, Richmond, Antioch, San Mateo, Los Angeles, Dallas, Houston, New Orleans, Baton Rouge, Miami, Orlando, the Carolinas, Virginia Beach, Milwaukee, Kansas City, Cleveland, Detroit, Harlem, Brooklyn, and shout out to all of our listeners in Nigeria, Ghana, Kenya, Jamaica, and Ethiopia. This podcast is for you. This podcast is for all of you, and this message that we are building continues to touch the world because of you. Until we meet again. Peace, peace, and we out.